0: And welcome into another episode of Running for the Roses. The calendar has turned to the month of November. It, we are coming down the home stretch of college football. Lucas is in a quarter zip. I'm in a T-shirt. That kind of represents where we're where we're situated in the country. It is a uh, let me check the weather here, Lucas. It is a brisk 79 degrees today nice. in Arizona. So we're getting a little cooler. Um, how are you, buddy? How's Nashville?
1: It's good. It's good. It, it's been nice today. It was like I think the high was like. I think the high was 69, so it was a very nice day here, nice. In, uh, here in Nashville. Um, but, no, it's been good. Had a great ho- Halloween weekend. Um, one of our good friends, uh, Kyle Payne, who we, who we went to college with, was actually in town visiting all weekend. Um, had a blast seeing him. Uh, so, uh, overall, everything's good. November's my favorite, arguably my favorite month of the year, um, largely due to Thanksgiving. And probably not. Probably has nothing to do with that. My birthday is is in this month too. But um, no, uh, so I'm excited, and it's we finally get uh, some heated races here in college football that we're, uh, we'll will be soon here to talk about.
0: Yeah, man. Basically, have uh, four weeks of the regular season left. Basically, every team now. I think the bye weeks are all done, so everyone's got eight games in. We had the first batch of college football playoffs released on uh, November first. That was yesterday for us. We are uh, recording this on the second. and um, some news happened uh, as well on Monday, uh, Brian Harson out at Auburn. finally, um, kind of what we would all expected to happen it was on kind of on the hot seat all season, really ramped up after losses to Penn State and LSU and and just kind of been dangling for a while and finally Auburn pulls pulls the trigger um, on Halloween. They implement a new athletic director, John Cohen, who, like thirty minutes after getting the official job, pulls the pulls the plug on Brian Harson. So, we'll we'll uh, Lucas and I will give out our roses here shortly. Then we'll chat some college football playoff rankings. We'll go over Brian Harson, uh, what went wrong at Auburn, kind of where that program's at, and, and some some candidates already being tossed around, um, including some pretty high profile ones. We'll do a recap into Week Nine, um, another impressive week for tennessee uh and then we'll uh, look ahead to week 10 two major sec games this weekend georgia tennessee in a matchup of one versus two and then lsu and alabama uh lucas um i know who your rose is it was a guy i was going to choose as well so i'm going to let you have the floor and and tell us about a dominant defensive performance in the big 10 this week
1: yeah, so uh, probably the arguably you could make it right, the biggest game this week: Ohio State, Penn State. i uh, give me mine to uh, uh, JT, and forgive me if I mispronounce the name JT uh, uh, Tumoyloya, uh, Loya, I believe is his last name. Uh, but oh my gosh, um, I felt like every defensive play that was made in this game was made by him and was probably true. Uh, when you look at the, the final score, I believe I had seen, he was the first player, college football player in the 21st century uh, to have uh, two sacks in a game, two fumble recoveries, and two interceptions, one of which he returned for a pick six. Uh, the guy was just a home wrecker. Uh, and It's uh, pretty cool to see him kind of come into his own. Uh, he was a huge recruit for... Uh, uh, for Ohio State a few years ago, it was a five-star um, uh, defensive lineman out of, uh, out of Washington um, and really has taken on a, a bigger role this year. But um, Unbelievable was probably made the biggest plays in that game uh, and contributed to three of the four turnovers that were forced by Ohio State, who got a massive win on, on the road. Um, and now sit looking like they're probably more than likely going to be undefeated going into that last game. Uh, at the big house against Michigan. So JT to um, I am giving my roads uh, for this week for a dominating performance in uh, college or in, uh, state college.
0: Yeah, really one of the more dominating performances by a defender really ever. Um, JT to Malau, I, I think that's how I say it. I, I don't know, but JT as we will call him, uh, a huge recruiting win for Ohio State. As you said, I don't know if you followed his story. He committed like months after signing day. Like he was taking visits like a couple of months before enrolling, essentially. And schools held out for him largely because of, of games like he could do on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Where he was a dominant football player, number one overall recruit in his class. Um, Ohio state had kind of been missing that really uh, since chase young had left and they had the, the, um, the Bosa boys as well. But I mean, they are, they are back along that defensive line with him and Zach Harrison and what an interesting game that was, Lucas. We'll kind of dwell on that here for a second before we give out Myros. Mm-hmm. I mean, Penn State was competitive in that game. Yes. I think it was like what, twenty to sixteen uh in the fourth quarter. Penn State takes the lead and then Ohio State scored in three plays. I remember Penn State scored a touchdown to take the lead and Ohio State comes down in three plays. I think Trayvon Henderson capped it with a long run. And at that point it was it was kind of over. And and uh you I believe had Penn State plus fifteen and a half. So you got a nice backdoor cover, which is lovely. Um, I texted you this on Saturday. I think if you're Penn State, the Sean Clifford is, is done. We, we've seen Sean Clifford. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. You, you just passed Trace McSorley for most touchdown passes in school history. Awesome. You did it to backdoor cover Ohio State. That is a microcosm for the Sean Clifford era at Penn State. Um, good, but just not good enough. And they have a five-star freshman named Drew Aller, who is a top 30 overall recruit. Um, true freshman. I think it's time to turn the keys over to him. And I think, I just think you have to do it. What else are you playing for? And my thing with Penn state is like, you are so clearly as the big 10 is constructed, you are so very much the third best team in your division and probably Mm -hmm. the third or fourth best team in the big 10. You are way behind Michigan. You're way behind Ohio state. You're way ahead of Michigan state and Maryland. Like you are right at three and you're paying James Franklin a lot of money. And James Franklin's going to win probably eight to 10 games every year for you. But at this point, you're not close to Michigan and you're not close to Ohio State. So why not pull the pull the trigger and, and go with a, a young quarterback?
1: Yeah, I, I, I definitely get the sentiment. First, I want to ask, is Sean Clifford eligible for a sixth year? Oh, don't say this. <laughs> don't do this to us. I can't. I, I, I mean,
0: I, I don't know. I think everyone's eligible because of COVID. I
1: mean, I Ooh, don't know yeah. if you're,
0: but I know Sean Clifford has been there since the mid-90s. So I don't know.
1: It, it looks like on here that he is currently a red shirt senior. So next year, I believe he could come back for a six year. The only reason I bring that part up is, you know, if he was thinking about that, that might be uh, an argument that you may have. Uh, cause I get it. Um, especially cause Penn state does have their team this year, I think is much more built to be competitive next year. Uh, they've got a lot of young guys at wide receiver. Obviously, Nick Singleton is their stud running back. He's only a true freshman, uh, especially in the defensive side of the ball. They bring a lot of these guys back next season. And so you could make an argument like, hey, especially these last four games, I mean, they could probably play a backup quarterback and still win all four. Uh, they have at Indiana, first Maryland may be a tough game, but then at Rutgers and first Michigan State, they're going to be favored in all four of those games. However, I think the only argument I would say is what's what are you signaling to your team who you're trying to make sure that you're all in, you're bought in by not playing Sean Clifford? Are you signaling that you're playing for the future or are you convinced that he is not giving you the best chance to win football games anymore? And I think potentially by pulling him, you could have a negative aspect. But as you mentioned, I mean, they had Ohio State on the line. I think they, they played Ohio State as best as anyone did because unlike Notre Dame, who played good defense, Penn State was able to move the ball. They actually had more yards than Ohio State did in this game. But those turnovers were killer. Uh, one which was returned for a touchdown, a couple of them. They got it back. Um, a handful of them were in Penn State territory when they happened. That all led to Ohio State scores. And you just, you just can't do that when you're playing Ohio State. And... I don't know where they moved from there, but then you also had, like I said, it was the whole Sean Clifford experience Um, because then he looked good after his first two turnovers only to have just another painful one uh, late in the game. So I get what you're saying. I do think it can send the wrong message to Penn State, but uh, to their players. Um, And like I said, what if Sean Clifford decides to come back for a sixth season? I don't know. if that's I think happen. Penn
0: State. I think Penn State might have a saying in that. And so, they might be like, hey yes. man, you can come back. It's not going to be here. You want to <laughs> enter the transfer portal? You know. All right. So Lucas gave his rose to a, a player in in one of the most meaningful games of the of the weekend. I'm going to give my rose to a team that won a game in one of the most um, inconsequential games of the weekend. I'm giving my rose to the to the UConn Huskies and Jim Moore mm-hmm. Jr. They beat Boston College 13 to three. They improved to four and five and Lucas with three games left in the season. They have a legitimate chance to make a bowl game. Mm -hmm. They host UMass this week. They host Liberty, who's really good. I think Liberty will beat them. Then they go at army. You go two and one in that stretch. You're six and six. Jim Moore Jr. has done a really nice job there. I will be honest with everyone listening. I did not watch a single second of this game. Uh, we, I did have Boston College money line in a in a parlay, and uh-huh. so it just it just died immediately in the noon slate, which is when most of my parlays do die, unfortunately. Um, but you know, kudos to UConn. You know, kudos to Jim Moore. That's been a a desolate dormant program. For them to have four wins already is quite an achievement, and to win over a Power Five team. Went over a Power 5 team, um, even though it's Boston College. And, man, we can talk about BC in a second. But what a disaster that's been for Jeff Hathley in his third year mm-hmm. there. But shout-out to Jim Mora getting my rose and uh, doing some of nice my stuff there at UConn.
1: Yeah, now makes a, a combined uh, uh, 21 points in the last three games for uh, for BC, as they were third in a row. But I completely agree with you. Um, I thought this was a, an interesting – uh, higher when it first happened, felt like it was kind of a retread. But if you're UConn, uh, obviously you're not going to have a great candidate pool. But uh, but you look at yeah, a win against BC. They also had a nice win uh, against Fresno State earlier in the year too. Um, and yeah, crazy to think that they could be uh, they could be in your bowl game. But I with you did not watch a single minute of this game. Uh, it was not unfortunately, it was not on my uh, top of my. Of my mind on CBS Sports. I don't Network blame you. Yeah, it was on. <laughs> I don't
0: blame you. All right, let's get into uh, some of the major college football news here. We'll get to Auburn here in a minute, but first, the uh, initial college football playoff selection committee rankings were released on Tuesday night this week. I'll go through the top ten quickly, and then we'll get some reaction from myself and from Lucas. LSU comes in at number ten. USC comes in at nine. Oregon eight. TCU is seven. Number six is Alabama michigan at five clemson georgia ohio state and tennessee four through one so lucas i'll start with what i thought the committee got right i thought i think tennessee should be the number one team in the country and i think i mentioned this last week i would not surprise me if they were number one knowing how the selection committee um you know ranks teams i think it 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 is very much a resume based right they try their best to hear the best resume and tennessee has the best resume in college football. They blew out another top 20 team at home in Kentucky. They just boat raced Kentucky at Neyland Stadium on Saturday. It's just a really impressive resume. They have a win on the road against a, in air quotes, top 10 LSU team. You beat Kentucky. You beat Alabama. Like You, I think, have a much better resume than every other team in the country, maybe besides Georgia, because Georgia has a mm-hmm. win over Oregon. A little surprised to see um, – Ohio State two over Georgia. Um, If we take a look at Ohio State's schedule, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, right? They do have a nice win now over Penn State, but but that's it. I mean, Mm -hmm. Notre Dame is is five and three. They have one over Notre Dame. That's looking better and better. I think as Notre Dame probably cements itself as a seven or eight win team. Um, A little surprised that they chose Ohio State over Georgia. And then Clemson over Michigan, I get, because I don't know, again, besides Penn State, I don't know what are Michigan's marquee wins. So I overall don't have an issue with the top four, especially since we're kind of going to figure out, I mean, Michigan's going to play Ohio State. Georgia's going to play Tennessee. You know, Tennessee or Georgia will play Alabama most likely. So some of these questions will have answered, but overall, I thought the committee got the top four pretty right. What about you?
1: Uh no I'm in I'm in agreement with that with the top four I think you mentioned Tennessee in their resume um yeah Clemson I think right now I think as it stands on their rankings those, these will obviously change I think they have three top twenty five wins with uh, uh Syracuse Wake Forest and NC State so I'm sure that went into their factor they also played NC State when when Devin Leary was healthy too um. Which I think up that just a little bit. Um, I'm a little bit surprised um, working down more of the more of the top ten. Um, USC, I, I have no issue with them ranked number nine, but how are they three spots ahead of UCLA? Um, in my opinion, UCLA. I guess um, if you're if you're looking at losses, they've lost worse at Oregon, but USC also beat Utah by multiple scores, and USC lost to Utah. On the road. Um, you know, LSU and Ole Miss being 10 11, Who is Who like? old, like... Besides Nobody, Lucas. Kentucky, the, Kentucky. Let me answer your question. Why are they ranked this high? Ole Miss
0: is 11. Here are the wins, Lucas. Troy, Central Arkansas, Georgia Tech, Tulsa, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Auburn, Texas A&M. Auburn and Texas A&M are not over five they They're both 3-5. and Vanderbilt, they, they have one... SEC win with a team over 500, and that's Kentucky, who's five and three. Five and three. I mean, like. they've beaten one Power Five team over 500, and yeah. the reason why LSU is propped so high at ten, LSU's only good win is against Ole Miss. I mean, <laughs> this stuff drives me crazy. What has LSU done? I get it; they're improving. They're they are seemingly getting better. Their two losses are to two Power Five teams, including one in in week 1 where they, you know, shanked an extra point essentially to send the game to overtime and the other losses to the number 1 team in the country. But again, you look at LSU's wins, Auburn, you know, Mississippi State, Florida. I mean, it's the like the SEC, the 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 middle class of the SEC is not good. Yeah. Texas A&M, Florida, Auburn, Arkansas, Missouri, I mean, these teams are just not very. I mean, South Carolina lost to Missouri this week. You know, like the the but they are inflated. I, o, Ole Miss might be the most egregious one. I mean, compare mm-hmm. Ole Miss to Illinois. Like, what's the difference? If you're going to rank Illinois 16, why is Ole Miss 11? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't think Illinois has played necessarily you know murderous row, um, but they're also thumping teams. They're thumping everyone they play. They thump. Oh, uh, Nebraska on the road this week. Right. And so, yeah, clearly, clearly there's an SEC bias. I mean, I mean, obvious, like we, we have to yeah. understand that. I'm sorry. Why is Alabama ahead of, of TCU? In in my opinion, if you're undefeated eight weeks or eight games into your season, two thirds of your schedule, you've won every single one of your games. You should not be behind a one loss team. I don't care if that law, lo- if that team's one loss is to the, is to the, the Buffalo bills. I mean, like, well, why is, you know, Alabama, again, you know, TCU has wins over number 13 on the road, mm-hmm. number 18. Alabama's best win is is what? Uh, Arkansas? Texas? Arkansas. Texas at Probably 24?
1: Texas. Texas at 24.
0: Their best Which- win is Texas at 24 with their backup quarterback, and they won by one point.
1: Texas, Texas being the lone three-win team uh, in these rankings is also just on brand. Because H- we, we all, we've talked about this before, and th- this is what infuriates us, and I think it was the point you were making is they used the rest of these twenty-five rankings to justify what they did at the top. Yes, yes. Like Alabama's in there. Well, they beat the number twenty-four. Well, if you ranked Texas twenty-fourth. That's why they, they went on the road and beat
0: and a, a really good Texas
1: team who also uh, Texas, lost to Texas Tech and blue lead to and Oklahoma, Oklahoma state. state.
0: Alabama being 6, like if I'm TCU like I have two wins over top 20 teams. Alabama has zero. Why am I behind them? Oh, and by the way, I don't have a loss. The joke on Reddit was um TCU just doesn't have the quality loss that Alabama has. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's got to have that quality loss up uh, there.
1: <laughs> and like I mean, why I is, just... like why is Michigan I know we're talking about the SEC, but like, you could make the same argument why TCU isn't ahead of Michigan. Michigan's Michigan-
0: best win is, is Penn State, which is ranked 15, so they have one top 20 win.
1: So, TCU has so, two. And TCU beat a team ranked higher than uh, Penn State in Kansas State. And then, yeah. they, like you mentioned too, they already have another top 25 win. And at least TCU played... At least they played a power five team in the non con. They played Colorado, so I guess that doesn't really count this year. It's like half a power five team. (laughs) They also played SMU, who has been a little bit disappointing, but like Michigan, you know, they played a murder row of uh, Hawaii, Colorado State, and UConn. Hey, UConn might be eligible. Might be. We do not take
0: UConn slander anymore.
1: (laughs) Michigan's like, look,
0: we we beat a bowl team in the non conference. (laughs) UConn dude it is oh. it is and and the problem is like I respect whoever the committee member is that has to go and, and defend these rankings they just talk themselves in circles they're like well you know we ranked Alabama high because you know uh, we like a balanced team and, and TCU's falling behind in a lot of games this year Meanwhile they have LSU at 10 who was down 17 nothing to Auburn who was down yeah. in the second half to Mississippi State like, you know, who, who, who like had to come back against Florida.
1: It's, oh, and got, got absolutely
0: steamrolled by Tennessee. Got boat race by, <laughs> by the only really good team they've played in Tennessee. Yeah. So again, with these rankings, the only, the only real rankings that count are the top, like probably five or six. Yes, I don't think LSU is a legit contender. I mean, LSU, but the, the problem is, and it's, it's what you just mentioned, right. Is, is now Alabama will probably jump into the top four if they beat LSU. Why? Well, they beat a top 10 LSU team. Well, you rank them 10th. LSU is ranked 15th in the AP top 25 and 17th in the coaches poll.
1: Well, and the thing will is LSU will drop like two spots.
0: Yeah, LSU drops like 13. It's like, well, Alabama's got to win over a top 15 team, you know, in LSU.
1: It, and it, it's, it's – uh, it, it just drives me backwards because what will happen, too, is, like, for for instance, what, what always drives me nuts is I'm trying to think of a, a real-life scenario right now. Like, let's say if – I know USC already played them, or UCLA's probably – like, let's say UCLA played Oregon State this week. They don't. They play Washington, but uh, – or UCLA yeah. plays uh, whatever. But let's say UCLA beats them. So, Oregon State's ranked 23rd. UCLA beat them, so technically they this week they have a top 25 win, but next Oregon week. State's probably going to drop off. So then they don't have a top 25 win. Yeah, and then they're going to use that argument against them.
0: Yep, next week they don't.
1: <laughs> it's One, it's dumb. I text you this. It's dumb that they only rank to 25. They need to have something that they can go off of, like college basketball has, like the net, where you put teams in like quadrants, all of them, and then you can base off of, well, this team had – a lot of net one wins. This team didn't lose any bad games against net four teams, or something like that. They they need something because, like we were mentioning, they just use the the bottom of this to basically. And you mentioned too, they talk themselves in circles. They'll next week they're going to have a completely different reason why they rate certain teams the way they are. Yeah, um, well, well,
0: I mean, like think about so essentially next week, whoever um, whoever wins Tennessee Georgia will be number one. My guess is Ohio State stays at two, assuming they win. Um, I could see Alabama jumping as high as three. I could see Clemson moving up to three. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I don't understand really why Michigan is ranked ahead of TCU other than Michigan had a better year last year and started the year ranked higher. Yes. And that's not what this is about, College Football Playoff Committee. It's not, right? It's 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 just not. Um It's it's incredibly frustrating, Um, you know. Of course, I mean, if you look at this, the the highest rated one loss team in the country is an SEC team.
1: The highest ranked
0: two loss team in the in the in the college football playoff pool is guess what? Guess which conference it comes from, Lucas?
1: Uh, The SEC. (laughs) The SEC.
0: LSU at ten. The highest, the only three loss team, is Texas. Liberty's like seven and one, by the way, and their only loss is by one point to Wake Forest,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: they're behind Texas, who lost to Texas Tech on the road, Oklahoma State on the road, and Alabama. It is, it's frustrating. Um, North Carolina I think is a little too low as well at seventeen. Um, like again, what is the difference between North Carolina and Ole Miss, other than North Carolina played their G five teams on the road? You know, I don't oh, know.
1: Ole Misses only losses to a top top ten team.
0: You're right, quality loss,
1: quality Damn. loss. It's a good Notre point. Day, they lost, or uh, North Carolina got beat by Notre Dame. So, you know, which in like two weeks, if Notre Dame keeps winning, they're gonna be like eight and four and ranked like twentieth, <laughs> and we're gonna be eight and four with home
0: losses to Stanford and Marshall.
1: Marshall, yes. Um,
0: so. yeah, man, it, it's um, we'll see. Shout-out Tulane, only G5 team ranked. I'm sorry, uh, UCF's 25. So Tulane at 19, the highest-ranked group of five team. Um, they, uh,
1: I believe – did they play each other this week? Tulane – or no, next week, I think Tulane and uh, UCF play.
0: Yeah, they, they play on November 12th yeah. next week. Um, anything else from these rankings that you want to point out before we move on to uh, to Auburn?
1: Uh, no, it's just, uh, like you mentioned, it's just kind of persistently frustrating. The one thing I will say the committee does is – their job is to get the best four teams. I think typically year in and year out, they do do that. Um, it's just frustrating because this whole – these these rankings now, it's just for TV, for the show that they put on every Tuesday that we get sucked into watching, um, even though in the end it really doesn't. It really doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> on that note, we'll see you next Tuesday for the uh, the next <laughs> yeah. batch <Yeah>. of Football <laughs> Rankings. All right, let's move on here. It's running for the roses. I'm Ryan Baffa, That's Lucas roadie. Thank you for tuning in. Um, <laughs> Auburn finally uh, pulled the trigger. Something that we have kind of been expecting really for the last couple of months. And, and really most of summer and most of, most of spring, nobody's seat had been, probably nobody's seat had been hotter than Brian mm-hmm. Harson's um, after a six and seven year one and internal investigation in the springtime uh, subpar recruiting. And subpar play Auburn's three and five. Um, they are really bad on offense and they're not that much better on defense. Um, Lucas, we were doing the pod when Brian Harson was hired and we both, I think like the hire, if I remember correctly as, as Auburn trying something new and going outside of the sec footprint and, and make no mistake, you don't have to go in the sec footprint, despite what Paul Feinbaum wants to tell you, right? Like, Nick Saban was at Michigan State, right? And a, a Midwestern guy goes to LSU, wins a national championship. Urban Meyer wins two national championships at Florida, came from Utah. Mm-hmm. So I don't think necessarily this was like, oh, man, like they just hired the, the West Coast guy, bad fit. Like I just think this was Brian Harson not being a good enough coach in the SEC mixed with, never getting the proper support from his administration and the fans to even have a chance and part of that was his fault right from 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 the reports about how he treated players and how he treated coaches and i i told you before we started recording that i listened to an auburn recruiting podcast earlier today and and they just they just told horror stories of of the the um disorganization of auburn's recruiting efforts being late, being 2 hours late to pick up a recruit for a visit at the airport in Atlanta cuz they didn't know where the where the airport was, not being able to reach Brian Harson on the Sunday of a big official visit weekend, Brian Harson watching his his son play football on Friday nights at Auburn High and not going out and watching, you know, games of of targets or of Auburn commits, just stuff like that and it it added up and he never really endeared himself to that fan base and if Auburn was 10 and two last year, then it doesn't matter. Um, but they weren't, they, they, I believe they were six and two or five and two and really struggled down the stretch. And if Auburn beats Alabama in the iron bowl last year, maybe we're not having this conversation, but they didn't, they, they crumpled and, and lost in, I think four overtimes and then lost their bowl game to Houston. So another power five job opening and a job that I think a lot of people will covet Lucas. But before we get to there, just your thoughts on the, the Harson tenure and the uh, the Harson firing, uh,
1: not shocking. I think most of us were shocked that he lasted this long. Uh, it, the word was they wanted to hire an athletic director before making this firing because otherwise this would have been two straight head coaches that they uh, that an AD uh, employed there did not um, did not let go. Um, but no, I mean not shocking. I mean you you hit on kind of a lot of those points. Um, Apparently, uh, you know, he was, he was kind of hired, not necessarily out of spite, but the, their former AD kind of wanted to assert control over the boosters and trustees since they kind of ran out mouths on, um, yeah. And it didn't work. I mean, you, you mentioned if they beat Alabama, I mean, if tank Bigsby knows how to not run out of bounds, uh, late in that game <laughs> to give Alabama some extra time, you know, we're, uh, it could be a different story, but the the whole program was a mess. They had 20-some tra- guys transfer out this past year, including Bo Nix, who is lighting the world on fire now uh, at Oregon. Um, we were talking before the pod how him and you know Derek Mason, their at D.C., long time, who was a head coach at Vanderbilt for about six or seven years, took a $400,000 pay cut to go to Oklahoma State, uh, basically because he didn't get along with Brian Harson. and I don't think it's a good look. I I thought after this, Brian Hartson would be able to land on his feet uh, just because of his success at at Boise State. But really, this stuff is really damning. Like, I think if you are looking to potentially hire him, you really have to do your due diligence and just kind of see what he wants out of it. It sounded like he only wanted to coach on his terms, and that's not going to work at a job like Auburn, and I think he found that out the hard way.
0: Yeah, two spots potential for Brian Harson. I think, are Colorado and Arizona State. Obviously, Colorado, the proximity to Boise, kind of where he has his footprint and where he made his name, and then Arizona State, kind of same thing. Um, wouldn't surprise me if he takes a gap year. I mean, he's, he's getting a $15.5 million buyout. Um, he might just want to sit with his family and just hang out for a year, do some TV. I mean, her memories is already on television, Lucas. He's already on freaking television. <laughs> less than three months less than two months basically after getting fired from Arizona State which is hilarious to me yeah so we'll see and you know Auburn listen this is a job that is is a it's a complicated job it's a job where you can win really big they've won a national championship really in our adult lifetime in mm-hmm. 2010 they played for one in 2013 they won the SECOS in 2017 it's a program that has that has won. Um, but it's also a major fishbowl. And what we mean by that is you are consistently under the spotlight. I mean, it is the epitome of the remember the Titans lose a game and they'll fire you. Mm -hmm. You You have a mediocre first year. You're on the hot seat. And as I've said many times on the pod, Lucas, if you're on the hot seat, it's really hard to get off near impossible. And in the transfer portal, the NIL era, you are, given no time to rebuild. This isn't where you take, get three or four years to get your guys in, or even two years. You have to have a pretty good first year and a really good second year, or else you're, you're in trouble. You also have to play Alabama and Georgia every year, at least right now, how the current sec schedule is constructed. You have to play Alabama and Georgia every year and LSU every year. Meaning you have to play Kirby smart, Nick Saban and Brian Kelly every year, which is maybe besides schools like South Carolina who have to play, you know, Clemson, every year or uh, no, I'm thinking of uh, Georgia tech, right? Yeah. That has to like Clemson in Georgia every year or Tennessee that has to play Georgia and Alabama every year. Like Auburn might have the hardest schedule in, in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, however, like I said, it's a place where you have one big, it's a place where the reports from some of the recruiting sites I've read say that the right coach can come in there and turn this around quickly. They have an NIL war chest. They're really well organized with their, with their collective um, it's a program that has immense fan support. The state of Alabama is a pretty solid recruiting ground in and of itself. And you're very close to Atlanta. I think you're like the second closest sec school to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, so where do you, before we get to candidates, where do you see the Auburn job in, in terms of how attractive it could be to a potential candidate?
1: Well, I think out of all the jobs that are open right now, I think this is easily the most attractive for you And just for the recent success, I mean, they, like you mentioned, they played for a national title in 2013. Um, They won it in 2010. Um, I mean, it doesn't take much. I mean, Brian Harson's recruiting classes, if you look at them on paper, they weren't, they weren't awful. They were like 23rd or 24th. However, that makes you, that puts you like eighth, I think, eighth or ninth, like in the SEC. So this is a place where you could probably get top 10 recruiting classes just about every single season. You mentioned Yes, you do have to deal with the boosters. But the thing is, is that they're passionate and they're going to throw almost like AM, They're going to throw all the money that they can into this football program. So I think, you know, especially for 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 any candidates, this is a job where you're going to be able to pull another Power Five sitting head coach, uh, in my opinion. We'll see if they go that route. Um, but I think this is uh, easily the best job right now. I would put this one... And I'd probably put Wisconsin too, but I think there is a, a, a relative gap. Um, it might depend on the candidate, um, but I do think they are going to go with someone who probably fits more of the mold uh, of maybe like an SEC guy, just because they went out of out of that uh, for their last hire and it didn't work out well. So they probably want to go with maybe something a little bit more safe. Um, and I think, you know, some of the candidates that they start pulling out are going to be pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, before we get to candidates, just kind of one more thing about this job. I, I I think the the sitting Power Five coach, right? I think that's what Auburn should attract, and I'm interested to see do they get a a respected name, right? Let's say a, a Mark Stoops, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of coaches, with the amount of money in this sport now, are just very hesitant to start over in a kind of toxic environment. I mean, anytime you this will be Auburn's third head coach since December of 2020, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it is when you fire a coach. One year, I mean, eight games into his second year. That is, I think, an alarm bell for some coaches. And they're like, why would I leave my stable good job where I win eight or nine games a year? Like Mike Gundy, for example, Kyle Whittingham, Pat Fitzgerald, like whatever. Oh, Pat Fitzgerald doesn't really win eight games every year. But you get my point, right? Like, I, I, I don't know if if like Mark Stoops has already been floated around. And I'm like, yeah. I don't, why would Mark Stoops leave Kentucky where he has a great gig to go coach at Auburn and maybe get fired in year two or three? Right. It doesn't make sense. But and, and that's why, like you've seen, you want Brian Kelly, LSU, 10 years, 100 million. Right. Like that is the going rate for a real big time hire. Right. Let's say Auburn hypothetically wants to go get Dabo Sweeney. Right. Like that's the starting price, something like that. Mm-hmm. So here are the candidates, um, according to uh, Bruce Feldman from The Athletic. The first three names are are very, um, they're names that come up in a ton of these searches right Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss Hugh Freeze at Liberty formerly of Ole Miss Deion Sanders at Jackson State then you have Matt Rule Mark Stoops and Dan Lanning from Oregon which would be really just interesting if, if Dan Lanning leaves Oregon
1: poor, a, poor Oregon Like you imagine <laughs> oh. that
0: Um, candidly Lucas I would bet it is one of the first three names I mentioned yes. Lane Kiffin Hugh Freeze or Deion Sanders um I think Deion Sanders would be a home run recruiting win. I think Deion Sanders would. Right now, Auburn's recruiting class in the 2023 cycle is 55th in the country. That is by far worse in the SEC. There's a chance that Deion Sanders comes in and they bring in a top 10 class this year. That's how powerful Mm -hmm. his name and his brand are. He would probably bring his son. Uh, Shadur, who's a a quarterback at Jackson state. He could bring Travis Hunter, the number one player from last year's class in as a, as a a defensive back and probably a dozen other Jackson state guys that all had sec offers that with the transfer portal work, like Deion Sanders is the name where he comes in year one. And if it goes really well, it could go really well. Like we're talking the Josh Heupel trajectory where year Mm -hmm. two, you're a national contender. However, I also have a hard time seeing Dion compete with Brian Kelly, Nick Saban and Kirby smart every, every year. And, and maybe, I mean, I'm sure they would, they would give him the Sam Pittman treatment where they would give him a really good staff, but I don't know how many contacts does Dion have. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think he's bringing his Jackson state guys. Right no. and so So um, I think Kiffin Hugh freeze or Dion make a lot of sense. One wrinkle that I uh, saw on the college football subreddit was people are like, why does, why does Lane Kiffin's name come up all the time? And someone said, well, one of the reasons is the state of Mississippi only allows four year contracts for their government employees. So Lane Kiffin cannot get one of these eight, nine, 10 year deals worth hundred million at Mississippi huh. at Ole Miss. He can get a four year, you know, 40, but he doesn't have the stability that a Jimbo Fisher does. Right. The only reason yeah. Jimbo Fisher ain't getting fired is because, he has that money owed. So hmm. um, your thoughts on some of the candidates and, and kind of where you see Auburn going.
1: Uh, you brought up Jimbo. Do you think I just kind of fun? Oh, no, oh, no, oh,
0: no, don't say it. Oh, no. Uh, uh,
1: how much do you think Texas, if, if Auburn went to, uh, to Texas A&M and said, uh, we will take him off your hands. How much do you think A&M would pay For Jimbo to leave to Auburn, do you think they would pay like half, like forty million dollars?
0: The first number I thought was at least twenty-five, but but probably probably closer to forty or forty-five, yeah. If they
1: knew they could rid their hands of Jimbo right now, go pack and get your bags uh, and go to Auburn. I wonder what that price would be. But no, I think out of those, I think the most intriguing is Lane Kiffin. There was rumors that he was very interested. That was really, bad. He was he was very, very interested in the Auburn job the last time that, or even last year when there was rumors that uh, Harson might be on his way out already. Um, so that is intriguing, especially because he would just be jumping from one SEC West school to another. Um, but uh, he would, it would make that, that the iron bowl rivalry that much more fun um, with Lane Kiffin in the mix. He freeze, I think, would be the no brainer had he not have all this. Had he didn't have all this baggage uh, from his last stop at Ole Miss, Um, I'm sure. I know this is college football. We'd like to, in football in general, we kind of put moral issues aside uh, if it means we're going to get more wins. But I do think it is an issue. I think that is especially if you look at Greg Sankey. You know, does the SEC want that type of publicity? coming back into its league Um, especially when I think they're every day they're fighting to kind of get away from that type of image that uh, you know that everything does mean more Um, uh, but uh, so I think that could be a good one you mentioned Dion you know another one you know Matt Rule if he wants to get back into coaching I think Auburn would be smart to take a look at him Uh, I know he has no coaching in the SEC which might be a red flag for them now seeing how that last hire went but the guy still just wins everywhere he goes and i think it's also pull yeah he got fired from the nfl but he coached in the nfl for three years as a head coach that is a big recruiting pull i feel like for for kids like hey i've seen what nfl players look like i know how to get them there i know how to prepare you for that next level which in the fcc that's what majority of those kids are going to these schools for so um, no, I think it's those three. Dion would be fascinating. I think it would be great for the sport. Um, whether you love him or hate him, I think it's it'd be great for the sport if he got a big time job. But like you mentioned, it's a huge jump going from FCS, FBS, especially from an HBCU. Um, you know, uh where like you mentioned, he's he's a big, big fish in a small pond right now at Jackson State. And you mentioned he'll he'll be one of many really, really good head coaches. Uh, in this league. Um, so it'll be interesting because they're going to – I think they, they can pay a lot, but like you mentioned too, does a guy like a Mark Stoops or someone that is an established Power 5 head coach. Like Gus Melzon won eight games all but two years at Auburn and got shown the door. Won a couple SEC titles. Um, does a coach really want to go in there with that high of, uh, of expectations, especially seeing how the last coach can that
0: you know, my thing with Dion is, and I, I said this a couple of weeks ago with Arizona State when they opened, is if you want to hire Dion, I have no problem with it. But I, I would urge people to actually do their homework, like mm-hmm. talk to people that have played him, talk to people at Jackson State, at that school, in that conference. How do his teams play? Is this a, is this a guy that just has so much more talent than everyone else around him? And if that's the case, it's it's pretty easy, right? You can play your your C plus game and probably still win most games. In the SEC, you're not going to have that. Auburn will never have, notably, like noticeably more talent than Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. You might have the same level of talent, but you're not going to have more talent, mm-hmm. right? So if if you go to, you know, uh, talk to people within the that conference and that that have coached against him or coached with him, and you hear like, yeah, man, teams are always well prepared. They always scheme well. Like they're they're not very well, you know. They're, they 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 always look extremely well coached. They're disciplined. They're tough. You get good, like what you want to hear, okay, do it. But I, I would I would worry about just hiring the the Dion brand. Right? I would and think of the money it's gonna to cost to get Dion. I think Dion would come in at Auburn and demand like the Brian Kelly contract. Honestly, I think he would demand the, the ten year, 95, 10 ten-year, hundred million dollar contract. Because he wants that stability. He didn't want to get fired two years in if he's going mm-hmm. five and seven. And that's like if you're John Cohen and and this is the, your first chance to make an impression on your fan base, on your alumni, on your donors, right? Like what kind of statement do you want to make? I do think they will hire somebody either with SEC experience or from the footprint, right? Because we've seen this before where school hires an offensive coach. It doesn't go well. They hire a defensive coach, a more, you know, school hires a, a CEO type. They fire him. Let's hire an offensive guy who's going to call the plays, whatever it is. Auburn hired an outsider from the you know northwest last cycle didn't work out. That's why I think Lane Kiffin is a, is extremely likely. There's a reason why Lane Kiffin's name comes up in all of these jobs. There's a reason why his name come up came up for Florida came up for LSU last year, right? Is I don't th- I think he knows he can probably do better than Ole Miss. And people are like, how can you do better than Ole Miss? Well, it's about resources. It's about mm-hmm. access to talent. It's about money. It's about facilities. Auburn's opening up a brand new football facility. They apparently have a lot more NIL money. I mean, Lane Kiffin earlier this year was just kind of berating the Ole Miss fans to like stay after halftime and, and you know come back for the second half. All this stuff. You don't got to do that at Auburn, man. They're they're packing Jordan Hair when they're playing Mercer in you know week one, you know. So I, I I do think Auburn is a better job than Ole Miss. Now you could also say expanded playoff, twelve teams. Ole Miss's crossover game is Vanderbilt mm-hmm. uh, in the in the SEC East right right now at least, and that might be one of the other benefits to Auburn. Like if you look at Nick Saban's probably on the back end of his Alabama tenure, you're probably going to get an SEC schedule shift when they bring in Texas and Oklahoma in the next couple of years. So if you can make it to that, you might be in a pretty good spot. And so. I, I think that's why I think Hugh Freeze and Lane Kiffin make the most sense. Hugh Freeze had been at Ole Miss, had a lot of success, recruited well, didn't end well. Um, his Liberty teams score a lot of points. They're really good this year. They're only losses to Wake Forest by one point on the road. Um, I would not surprise me if it's one of those two teams. The other uh, name I just thought of when you were talking, and then I'll toss it back to you is what about James Franklin? Speaking of like, Hey, take him off our hands. Franklin has sec experience at Vanderbilt. Don't mm-hmm. tell Brian Harsin that sec experience at Vanderbilt, big time name. And maybe Penn state's like, you know, we've hit our ceiling with James Franklin. Maybe we try to go out and maybe Bill O'Brien, you know, or, um, Matt is available, right? What about Matt rule? That's his dream job, right? He was a mm-hmm. you know Pennsylvania guy just throwing that out there. But I think in the end, I think it's a good likelihood. It is one of Kiffin, um, Deion Sanders, or Hugh Freeze.
1: Yeah, the, the James Franklin one it is interesting because, I mean, what was last clock, year? Right,
0: You reset your clock if you're yeah. James Franklin, even though you just got uh, a 10-year deal. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> he's got extremely good stability. My, I think, and like we were mentioning for the pot, they're going to have a pretty damn good team next year, too. And I feel like you're trading one similar situation for another uh, instead of, Ohio State and Michigan, you have to go up against, like you mentioned, Georgia and, and Alabama every year. And that's probably also not going to change when they go to their new scheduling format. Um, cause you know, you're for sure going to play Bama and you're probably still going to play Georgia on a regular basis if they do permanent uh, more than one permanent rival. But um, I think it is an interesting name just cause it feels like we always talk about James Franklin. His agent does a great job of always leveraging all these job openings. Um, I. I was just like, speaking of doing that. What about Mel Tucker? No, I don't think that's going to happen after <laughs> the debacle <laughs> this season has been. Yeah. But, um, but no, it like you mentioned, I think it's going to be those top three candidates. But I also, kind of on that note, I think it's going to make a lot of other good Power Five head coaches even more richer than they are uh, before um, if they're not being named the Auburn head coach.
0: Um, all right, we'll uh, we'll we'll leave it there for now. I do want to maybe in the next week or two touch on some of these coaching vacancies. Maybe we give mm-hmm. some like early, you know, predictions for. I think I think we did this last year where we, we tried to predict who would who would who would go where. Uh, I don't think anything really came of it, but <laughs> maybe maybe that could be fun. All right, let's take a quick look back at Week Nine, Lucas. I'll touch on a couple of games that really stood out to me, and then I'll toss it to you because we got a lot to talk about for Week Ten. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: kind of go quickly through some games here. A couple of games that really stood out. Kansas State, 48, Oklahoma State, zero. I mean, wow. I mean, just just an absolute beatdown by Oklahoma State or by Kansas State of Oklahoma State. and Oklahoma State, like, you had an emotional game the week before against Mm -hmm. Texas. Uh, You had played TCU the week before that. Like, I think at some point, um, playing these big games game after game after game, it can wear on you. And Kansas State, with the the backup quarterback, with, uh, you know, no less, um, looked really good, really dominant. One of the games I picked, I had Wake Forest minus three and a half, and what a disaster that was! Louisville forces, I believe it was seven turnovers yep. in the third quarter. They outscored, uh, they outscored Wake Forest 35-0 in that quarter. They win forty-eight twenty-one. All of a sudden, Lucas, that Louisville over five and a half is is uh, they're it five is and three. Nice again. It's, I, looking
1: I, oh, it's looking. I texted you because we both took. Louisville win total over five and a half, but we also both took Wake minus three and a half in that game. And it's like, it's, uh, it's that like Alonzo morning gif where you're like, where you're mad, but then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, you know what? Uh, It could actually end up well, but no, that was a game I had on. It was close. And then I turned it on like 15 minutes later and Louisville was just kicking the crap out of wake after
0: that. Uh two uh two more for me and then I'll I'll toss it to you. Um Notre Dame over Syracuse. Syracuse after starting 6-0 and now. Uh six and two. Notre Dame just a Jekyll and Hyde team. Like if you look at their road games at Ohio State very competitive lost 2110. They beat North Carolina on the road. Uh they beat BYU in Las Vegas and now beat Syracuse on the road. Their home games they lost to Marshall beat Cal by seven and uh lost to Stanford and with a win over UNLV as well. So just to check on Hyde, Notre Dame team, but they they come in at five and three. And then Illinois thumping uh Nebraska. All Illinois does is just beat up teams. Illinois is death by a thousand cuts. They're not flashy. They don't hit the, they don't hit plays downfield. They run Chase Brown thirty five times a game. They're gonna just wreck you. They've allowed I think Illinois Illinois has allowed seventeen points in the second half all season. All season.
1: So so what you're saying is they're every Big 10 West champ ever. Literally. <laughs> Literally.
0: You know, I, I mean they, they are they are gonna probably go 9 and 3. They'll be a, a 19 and a half point dog in the Big 10 championship game and they'll probably lose like 42 to 8 or something to, to Ohio State. Okay. So All right, what uh what what's what are some uh some games that stand out to you, sir?
1: Yeah. So uh we obviously uh, Tennessee just Absolutely boat racing Kentucky. Um, I think that's been the thing that's been most impressive with Tennessee is every time they have a big game coming up, they had LSU before they played Alabama. They absolutely boat raced LSU in that game. Week before they played Georgia, have no issue um, with Kentucky. Um, looking at uh, uh, Pitts, uh, North Carolina, this was a game, uh, North Carolina outscores Pitt 21 to nothing, I believe, in the fourth quarter. Uh, to win that game, 42-24. to Um, Shout out to Drake May, man. Uh, Five touchdowns, again. I believe it's the third game he's thrown for five touchdowns and no interceptions this season. He's been spectacular. 29 touchdowns for the year, only three picks. Um, North Carolina basically clinched. Um, They still have four conference games, but uh, this just tells you the state of the ACC Coastal. That pretty much, I think, got it for them unless they completely lay an egg the last four games of this season. Um, they're looking like a, I mean, they're looking like a team that I think will they beat Clemson? I don't think so. Just because Clemson might run for 400 yards still against their, their defense, but, uh, their offense is fun. Uh, and it's explosive. Um, and they've got a really, really good quarterback that can make stuff happen. So kudos to UNC. Um, who's having a really, really good bounce back here for them. Um, another game that I was also looking at, what was it right here? Um, uh, which one? Oh, Michigan, boat racing, Michigan State. Uh, well, big news. What, what happened after, what happened right? Afterwards. Yeah, that, I think that's the bigger news of that game. Um, obviously, for, I think it's up to eight players from Michigan State are now suspended. Um, yeah. A few of them are starters on this team. This has not been a good year for Michigan State at all. Um, it just gets worse. You know, Jim Harbaugh screamed after the game he wants criminal charges. Um, and after watching that video, I don't necessarily think that's the wrong thing to say. Uh, it's just not a good look. But also Michigan, this is now the second home game in a row that this has happened. Um, you may want to try something different or put in some protocols, at least for the, for the rest of the year. Oh, and the other game I was going to touch upon, um, Ole Miss. Um, this is why they're ranked where they are right now. Is they had a mighty win over Texas A&M, uh, 31-28. A&M's season continued to get worse. The chances of them going to a bowl game are still not looking particularly great. Um, Ole Miss ran for over 400 yards on AM. and uh, To me, and this was when AM had a pretty good performance. Connor Wegman. Uh, the freshman who came into play for Hanks King actually looked pretty good. Threw for over 330 yards, had three touchdowns. Uh, I guess that's a positive if you're AM moving ahead. However, like I said, gave up over 400 yards um, of offense, almost seven point yards, seven yards per carry. Um, as Ole Miss improves to, to eight and one. Meanwhile, AM sitting three and five, just dead in the face with uh, four games remaining.
0: Yeah, that's going to be a fascinating situation in the last couple of weeks and and December 5th I think is when the transfer portal officially opens. That will be a big day for Texas A&M. What does this roster look like next year? Mm-hmm. What does this coaching staff look like next year cuz it has not worked. And I get the number one recruiting classes have always have won a national championship every year basically in the internet era, but if half of that number one recruiting class transfers does it really count as a number one recruiting class? So it will be interesting. All right, let's take a look at, um,
1: at oh, week 10. I did have, I did just have one last yeah, game. Ahead. It may, I can't believe I missed it because it may have been the best game of the week. And that was Miami in a, uh, in a slug fest in four overtimes, winning <laughs> 14 to 12 over Virginia. Oof.
0: Listen, as somebody that picked the under as one of his picks, I was very happy. But <laughs> Miami is another one, man. Like, and I get it, Mario's in year one, but it has just not been – it would not surprise me if Tyler Van Dyke leaves the program and, and they yes. have some massive transfer losses as, as well. Yes. It will be interesting to see. So, All right, well, happy mac week. The, uh, the Mac is back. Two games uh, on November 1st, two games November 2nd. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday night, Mac will become a feature of our podcast, most likely, as we'll be recording during uh, some of those games. Uh, skip ahead Saturday – Action kicks off. We do have a service academy game: Air Force at Army um, at 8:30 p.m. or 8:30 a.m. Pacific time on CBS. Heading to the noon slate: Ohio State at Northwestern. God help Northwestern on ABC. Texas Tech at TCU on Fox. North Carolina at Virginia on ACC Network. Uh, Kentucky at Missouri on the SEC Network. Florida at AM on ESPN. Minnesota at Nebraska on ESPN Two. Iowa at Purdue. On FS1. Moving ahead to the 3.30 slate. The big one. Tennessee at Georgia on CBS.
1: Uh,
0: On ESPN. (laughs) Oregon at Colorado. uh, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Penn State at Indiana on ABC. Michigan State at Illinois. On the Big Ten Network. Oklahoma State at Kansas on FS1. Syracuse at Pitt on ACC Network. Uh, heading into the evening slate, seven o'clock Eastern Texas at Kansas state on FS one, real great chance for Texas to pick up another quality loss and drop to 25 in the committee <laughs> rankings there. Um, Clemson at Notre Dame on NBC and Peacock at seven 30 Eastern uh, Michigan at Rutgers at seven 30 on big 10 network, Auburn at Mississippi state on ESPN Two. Uh, the ABC, Eastern game is Florida State at Miami. And then Wake at NC State at 8 o'clock Eastern on ACC Network. Pac-12 after dark, UCLA at Arizona State at 9.30 Eastern on FS1. Cal at USC, 10.30 Eastern on ESPN. Lucas, I feel like we got to start with the two SEC ones. I forgot to mention it on my read. I must have missed it on the sheet. 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN Alabama at LSU. Uh, let's start with Georgia and, and Tennessee. The line is eight and a half. I might have a play on this game later, but what do you, uh, what do you expect in Georgia and Tennessee?
1: Well, I think, uh, you know, can Georgia slow down this, this Tennessee attack? I believe is it Nolan Smith was their best pass rusher. He's out for the year. Uh, He's out for the year going into this game. Obviously Hendon hooker to make an argument might be the Heisman trophy favorite in this game. So I think Georgia's going to be able to score. Um, their offense has been relatively pretty explosive. since Bennett has improved from a year ago as well. They have to deal with, obviously, Brock Bowers, arguably the best tight end in the country. Uh, so I think it's for, for Tennessee. Can they get timely stops? They were able, I thought, in, at least in the first half, able to do that against Alabama. They were able to jump out, what was it, 28-10 to 10 early on this game. I think they're going to have to try to do the same. Uh, with Georgia. Um, This is the first time that they're going into this hectic of a, um, I mean, they did go to Death Valley, but it's going to be different in Athens, Georgia, with uh, a national championship implications on the line. Um, Are they able to get timely stops? Um, Because I do think this could be a fairly high-scoring game. Also, by the way, cheapest ticket in Athens, Georgia, $559 um, right now. The one thing I say so about Tennessee is is
0: the defense is I just I think it's just better than people think right now. Now mm-hmm. they allowed thirteen points to LSU. That offense is playing a lot better of late. Now the Alabama game they allowed forty nine. I get that. Um, they allowed six points to Kentucky uh, last week. I think the defense is playing a little bit better. Uh, Cedric Tillman I believe is back as well, along with Jalen Hyatt. Um, and and listen I think the the obvious question is is like you brought up can, can Georgia slow it down if you're Georgia can you hold Tennessee under 40 points right if you look at mm-hmm. Tennessee's SEC games uh, they scored 38 against Florida 40 against lSU 52 against Alabama 44 against Kentucky so they've only been held under 40 points once uh, in SEC play and that was against Florida so and they, they and they got 38 I think if Georgia holds them under 30 under 35 they they probably win the game. Mm-hmm. Um and I do think Georgia's offense especially Stetson Bennett has been underrated. They put up 49 against uh, Oregon. Been a little inconsistent, right? Didn't look that sharp against uh didn't look that sharp against Missouri. Um scored 42 on Florida, 55 on Vandy, 42 against Auburn. And, you know, listen Lucas, like besides Oregon, Georgia's a little untested. Mm-hmm. the the SEC slate for for uh for Georgia South Carolina on the road at Missouri they won by four points Home Auburn, home Vanderbilt and then uh, Florida in uh Jacksonville in a game in which I believe at one point Florida pulled within eight points. I think it was 28 20 in the second half. So I think the line's a little too big to be honest. I mean eight and a half feels like a lot of points when Tennessee is just rolling, but you're, you're right. Really tough atmosphere on the road, national championship team. I just don't know if Georgia can, can sustain holding Tennessee down for, for too long, to be honest. So,
1: yeah, Uh, it might be, uh, no, I, I agree with you. It it's, I think it's going to be a back and forth kind of game. I think the line right now is, was plus eight and a half um, for, for Tennessee, which, um, I don't know if it's going to be that, that big a, a, of a deficit, but like you mentioned, like with Georgia, if they played Oregon right now, I think they still win, but I think that game is much, much closer. I think it was everything went wrong for Oregon. That could have went wrong. You were getting the defending national champs playing in their home state, and you were still trying to figure everything out with a new quarterback, new coaching staff, everything. So uh, no, this game, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's a game that comes down to the wire, um, which I'm a little bit nervous about because whoever loses this game, especially if it's Tennessee, we're still going to be hearing from people (laughs) that they should probably still be ranked in the top four. They should make the college football playoff if that's their only loss, all that. So I'm just so excited to have, have those discussions. So I, yeah,
0: we, we have the real possibility of a doomsday scenario where let's say Georgia beats Tennessee by three points and then Tennessee runs the table and they're 11 and one and Georgia loses the SEC title game to Alabama. Um, like, you're Tennessee. You're like, we're 11 and one. We beat all these teams. Like, why aren't we in? And Georgia's like, well, we beat you, Tennessee. And it's catastrophic. I, I don't want to even think about it. The other big one, LSU hosting Alabama, Lucas, I've been down on LSU all season. I mean, I I watch a lot of their games um, for some reason. Maybe it's to watch Jane Daniels, the former ASU quarterback, but they're getting better, man. And and Jane Daniels Mm -hmm. is playing good football. They put up 45 on Ole Miss, 45 at Florida. Um, The offense, which had struggled, right? If you look at their SEC games prior to that, they scored 31 against Mississippi State, 21 against Auburn, and 13 against uh, Tennessee. But the offense is really coming alive, and Jane Daniels is doing everything with his feet, with his arm. He's they're finally getting some of their talented receivers involved. Alabama on the road, we know they haven't looked great on the road. They won by one point at Texas. They did blow out Arkansas on the road. They lost at Tennessee. Alabama coming off a big win over Mississippi State, thirty to six. I expect this to be a pretty competitive football game that Alabama wins late probably between like three and 10 points personally. What, what about you?
1: Yeah, that's kind of what I'm feeling. I, I feel like I'm, I feel like it's a trap though. That's the only thing I'm like hesitant is, is are we underselling just because Bama might be a little bit lower than what their normal standards are. And obviously LSU, I feel like we have this discussion just about every year when it comes to Alabama LSU is, especially when it's in Death Valley, but just an LSU team, with the issues they had last year, almost won and probably early should have won in Tuscaloosa uh, a season ago. Um, and I think you have two teams that are relatively trying to look, I don't think they bad. Their only game, their only loss is a three point loss at Tennessee's ranked number one. But you mentioned the kind of the issues on the road. I mean, you look at it, Texas, the only one by one uh, at Arkansas, that was a game. Uh, late in the second half. It was 28-26, um, I believe.
0: Or 20, yeah. no, 28-23, 20, 28-23. 20,
1: 23 and it took Alabama really in that second half had to, had to kind of pull away. And even against Mississippi State, um, they really, you know, took down, uh, they really shut down that air raid offense, but it wasn't like they were all over the place offensively against Mississippi State. And um, LSU, you mentioned Jaden Daniels. I think he's becoming something of a difference maker at Quarterback. Um, my only issue is with LSU; they're not a great, just drop back running the team. Jaden Daniels is the leading right. rusher on their team, so I think Alabama will scheme to that to make sure he doesn't get out of the pocket or can break the pocket. Um, but LSU is going to be able with with their front seven. I know they've dropped a couple guys, but their front seven is going to be able to put pressure on on Bryce Young and they probably can put a lot more pressure on them because Alabama doesn't have that scary deep threat. And so I think you're going to be able to rush, bring some extra guys because you're not as worried about being beat over the top. So I think this could be a decent matchup for LSU. And like I said, I kind of hate the fact I'm talking myself into it, but uh, I feel kind of like you, I feel like overly optimistic that LSU can make this a very close and competitive game.
0: The line is 12 and a half Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which seems i I thought they'd be about nine and a half or, or you know nine which is interesting a couple other games I'll, I'll touch on quickly then I'll, I'll toss it to you for some other games Florida state Miami um you know a game that was, was was had so much prestige in the early 2000s and in the and in the 90s is kind of an afterthought Miami is in absolute freefall mode they were lucky to escape Charlottesville with a win over over uh, Virginia but this was a team that I had in the ACC championship game and they're going to struggle to make a bowl game And Florida state. I think Mike Norvell is trending them in the right direction and they have a chance to go on the road and get a nice win in prime time in an in-state rivalry. Um, Wake Forest and NC state staying in in the ACC wake, just reeling from a, a really seems like, like I was going to bring this up to you. Remember the, the Wisconsin wake game, the bowl game when Sam Hartman threw all those picks. Yeah. It feels like once a year, like, Because Wake is really good at not turning the ball over. But once a year, Sam Hartman just loses his mind and throws like four picks in a game. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had three turnovers coming into the game against Louisville. I think he had four that game alone. But NC State really hasn't looked very good since losing Devin Leary. They only beat Virginia Tech by one point on Thursday. Uh, That will be interesting just because I still think the winner of that game has a good chance for the Orange Bowl. If Mm -hmm. Clemson makes the college football playoff, um, maybe it's ends up being North Carolina, who knows, but the winner of that game certainly keeps itself in the spot for a big time bowl game. Um, trying to think what else, anything, uh, anything else you want to touch on here before we get to picks.
1: Um, just one last on that Florida state, Miami game. I'm seeing here the ticket look, cheapest ticket is a hundred dollars at hard rock stadium for what I, that, I don't think that's Miami fans buying up all those tickets. I think this could be a glorified home game for Florida state. Yeah. down there like Has that- to be. <laughs> and just it's just not a great look for Cristobal we already talked about the issues they've had filling that place it's like 30 minutes from Coral Gables where their actual campus is and the fact that uh, your main rival uh, might be filling up your entire stadium this I could be wrong maybe there's some storyline I don't know but the tickets are going that high at Hard Rock Stadium. I think it's because the visiting team, because they're sure as hell like coming for uh, a 3-5 and five Miami team. right? Now. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, I guess um, one just extra game, I think you touched on it, Clemson, Notre Dame. Yeah. I don't know what, I feel like a lot of people are getting positive towards Notre Dame right now. When I feel like maybe I should touch on this because this is one of my picks is going to be involved in this game, but uh, it's an intriguing game for Clemson that they obviously have to win it if they want to stay in the national title contender. I don't think a one loss Clemson is making the postseason unless something drastically happens. But I don't know. It's I get it's at South Bend, but. Um, I just I just don't see Clemson lose in this game. But like I said, I'll get to this in my picks. But otherwise, any other games that you uh, specifically wanted to touch on?
0: No, I, I mean Oklahoma State at Kansas. As somebody that holds an Oklahoma State over eight and a half wins ticket, is going to be important for me. Um, Illinois hosts Michigan State. I keep expecting Illinois the clock to strike midnight and them to just to lay a dud. I kind of I almost debated picking Nebraska money line last week just to be like, eventually this is going to blow up, yeah. right? Devito's is going to throw three picks. Chase Brown's going to be held to like 60 yards and they're going to lose like 24, 10 or something. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, that but, game, that that game was close until Casey Thompson got right, knocked out with right. a broken hand. And then it just kind of fell apart. However,
0: I just, I don't know if Michigan States, the team to do it after the incidents last yeah. week with Michigan, they suspended eight players. That program is seemingly going a little off the rails, but who knows this could be kind of a rally of the troops, you know, Win one from El Tucker, kind of game. Um, Illinois, by the way, next week the de facto Big Ten West Championship game between everyone we all knew we we all knew was going to happen between Illinois and Purdue in Champaign for the Big Ten West, which will be oh, hilarious. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get to our picks of the week. First, to recap last week, tough week for the syndicate, two and four. Lucas and I both going one and two. I had the uh, the under 48 in UVA Miami, really one of my best bets of the year, just not having to worry about it. I saw all the punts early on. I'm like, this is great. Don't have to check on this. Even in double overtime, they scored 26 combined. My losses were Rutgers plus 14 at Minnesota. They lost by 31. It was 31-0. And then my lock of the week was Wake minus three and a half, and they get blitzed outright. Lucas, a one and two week for you as well, my friend. Your uh, losses were Syracuse minus three and the under 37 in Iowa Northwestern. Who would have thought Iowa scores 33 points outright?
1: Almost almost covers it by themselves.
0: Just Just insane. Uh, You did have uh, your upset pick, Missouri, plus four and a half outright winners over South Carolina. Um, We are – Pretty neck and neck here, Lucas. You are 17 and 13 this season. I'm 15, 13 and 2. For the season, we are 32 26 and 2. I'll start things off with my pick of the week. I'm taking North Carolina minus seven and a half at Virginia. I don't think Virginia is very good. I think North Carolina is. They just had a big win against Pitt. Drake May, you're starting to see not really Heisman hype, but like 2024 draft hype. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a team that definitely sees itself in the ACC championship game and still playing for probably a Rose bowl berth. I mean, if they get to the ACC title game, they're 11 to one or 10 and two, and they lose a close game to Clemson. They're probably going to the orange bowl. So I think Mac Brown, this is the team that maybe we expected last year with Sam Howell. Um, They did lose Desmond Evans for the season. They're a talented defensive end, but Drake may man that that guy is, is just throwing it. He's chucking it around doing a really nice job. So I I think they're a touchdown better than, than, uh, than Virginia. Even on the road, so I'm going to take North Carolina minus seven and a half.
1: Um, And yeah, and the only you might say, well, maybe Virginia with Brandon Armstrong can pass all over uh, that uh, that UNC defense. They only got twelve points in four overtimes against a Miami defense that has been that got shredded by Middle Tennessee State. Shredded, shredded lettuce. (sighs) All right, your your pick of the week. Uh, my pick of the week, um, I am actually going uh, with, uh, I'm doing an under Florida AM and m at uh, Texas AM under 54 and a half. Um, now, this could be a little crazy now. We just, uh, especially the way AM looked, they gave up over 400 yards on the ground uh, to Ole Miss. Um, and then also Connor Wegman did look impressive in, in his debut. So maybe A&M's offense is a little bit better, but I just – neither one of these offenses have been particularly consistent um, when they've played uh, teams with a pulse. Um, um, so I'm going to go under 54-and-a-half. I don't really see this being a high-scoring game much at all.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I thought Connor Wagman or uh, Wagman looked pretty solid against Ole Miss. Yeah. I don't think Ole Miss defense is, is great. They gave up 45 the week before to LSU, but – um, that's like you said um, when you mentioned A&M Ole Miss, a sliver of hope for uh, Texas A&M. And wouldn't it be shocking if, if, you know, Connor Wegman comes out and just lights up these these last four games and, like, eight, like yeah. you know, uh, A&M goes 4-0 and, and and people are like, what if, you know, what if they hadn't waited so
1: long? Oh, don't don't do it. then that We're going to get a huge hype train again. Uh, oh, baby, we're going to
0: get the final college football rankings. You know what's going to happen, man? Uh, number 25, 7-5, and five, Texas a
1: and
0: <laughs> Say it with me, Lucas. Another ranked win for Alabama.
1: Well, because they're going to beat LSU to end the year. <laughs> and then they're going to be like, well, they beat another top 10 team. Because LSU yeah. somehow is still going to be ranked number 10.
0: So. Ah, That's great. All right. My lock of the week, I'm taking. It's, it's that time of year, baby. I think we get four or five of these a year. Service Academy under. Under 40 and a half in Army Air Force. Listen. Uh, I know Air Force is pretty damn good. I know Army's not. There's a chance Air Force puts up like 34 on their own, um, but it's a hit rate of like 85%, and and it's just it's just it's just statistics. So I'm taking the under 40 and a half in Army and Air Force for my block of the week.
1: I uh, I had that. I've already bet that game, but I knew you were going to pick it. Oh yeah. So I, I stayed off of it. Have a brand. <laughs> Have a brand, baby. <laughs> All right, <laughs> your lock of the week oh my lock um i am going clemson i kind of noted it in uh, uh in our week week 10 preview clemson minus three and a half at notre dame uh look notre dame's been very very good i think i saw that they are 21 and one in their last 22 games against acc opponents uh, however i believe that one loss came against clemson uh, in the AC title game a couple seasons ago, look, I don't think I think Notre Dame is going to be able to keep this game maybe around competitive. Um, I mean, I just I'm not impressed with Notre Dame's offense. I know they put up points uh, last week against Syracuse. They ran for a ton of yards, but uh, Drew Pine only had like 116 yards on like 17 attempts. You're going to have to do better than that, in my opinion, against Clemson to win them. Uh, Clemson, I think, has found, obviously found something offensively with Will Shipley. I think this is going to be um, you know, a bigger bounce-back game for them, uh, especially for DJU, I think, is going to want to come out um, after having a disappointing game against Syracuse a couple weeks ago. Um, so give me Clemson. I think they're going to win this game by at least a touchdown, uh, minus 3.5 against Notre Dame.
0: I like that a lot. That's one I, I looked at after I had kind of locked in my three, and I was like, oh, man, that's a nice – It's it's kind of a little bit like when I took Clemson minus three and a half uh, at Florida State. Yeah, like I just think they're better than three and a half against an inferior ACC team, Mm -hmm. especially with how Jekyll and High Notre Dame has been. I mean, home losses to Stanford and Marshall uh, don't don't know what you are going to expect there. So, all right, keep it going. Why don't you start with your upset of the week? Since I went first for my other two picks, your upset of the week, good sir.
1: So I am, like I said, overly optimistic about LSU. I'm taking LSU. I got them at 13 and a half, uh, plus 13 and a half at home against Alabama. Like I said, I just think this is matching up well. I think LSU is playing really good football right now. They look – they're a drastic improvement from what they were at the beginning of the year. Remember, this is a top 10 team, and they are playing – they are hosting a team at home. So – um uh, not to say that I don't, I don't think they're going to win this game outright, but I do think this is going to be a close competitive game because as we talked about, Bama on the road, not just this year, but the last few years, um, they've had a handful of scares um, and haven't played particularly well. And I think this uh, this defensive front for LSU is going to be able to frustrate Bryce Young um, a little bit. So I'm going to take LSU plus 13.5 at home against Alabama.
0: Lucas, you mean to tell me you can get LSU, a top 10 LSU team, Lucas? As a 13 and a half point dog. Of course, it's gotta be principal play. It's a principal top 10 team. Top 10 team. <laughs> top 10 team. All right. I'll, I'll take us to the other big game of the weekend. I'm taking Tennessee plus eight and a half, uh, too many points. I took Tennessee against Alabama as well. I think it was seven and a half. Um, I, I don't know if we're continuing to undervalue Tennessee. They're really freaking good. They have been the best team in the country this year. I don't care where they're playing. I don't care if the game's on freaking Mars. Like they have been the best team in the country. Now, we could, I could get all takes exposed next week if Georgia wins 35, 10, but uh, they've scored on everyone they've played and, and Georgia hasn't looked like world beaters. This is not the 2021 Georgia defense. It's a very good defense, right? Kaylee Ringo, the, the, the cornerback from right here in Scottsdale is one going probably gonna be the top 10, 15 draft pick and he's very good, but that scheme, their execution Hendon Hooker, hooker, the two stud receivers, Uh, I don't, again, don't know if Tennessee's going to win outright. I could see Georgia winning between seven and three. But if you're going to give me over seven points in this game, between number one and number three, um, I'm going to take the points. So give me Tennessee plus eight and a half.
1: I mean, it's crazy. Like you mentioned that. The number one team in the country right now by the CFP ratings is over a touchdown underdog in their first game being ranked number one. There has to be – it has to be a while since the last time that happened that the number one team in the country was an underdog. Yeah. That big of an underdog. More than a touchdown. That's just nuts to me. But I agree it's with you completely. <laughs> I think I, that's a bet I might be taking here this weekend yeah. as well.
0: Join me, buddy. Join me. All right. Uh, Lucas, any final thoughts here before we wrap up? We'll, uh, only three more weeks of college football after uh, mm. after this week, man. It's going by too soon.
1: It's not – it's crazy. Uh, it moves by so fast every year. We're, we're already booking our, our Thanksgiving plans. It's like, holy crap, that's like the last week of the regular season already. Uh, but no, I'm excited for this week. This is going to be uh, a great week in all windows. We have great games going on. Uh, and we have Maction back this week. We had it last night, nice win by the Ohio Bobcats. Um, they are now in first place in the MAC East yes, over, over the Buffalo uh, Bulls. Um, so good win for yeah. them. Um, and we got Maction again tonight. It, it, the, the universe is in alignment right now. Um, and uh, I'm happy to uh, be able to witness it, I guess, right now.
0: It's great, man. Uh, when, when, when Maction is back, it, it's, it's like my, my dad always used to say like September 1st is like when dove season starts in Arizona so you can hunt doves. He's like, it just, it just brings in fall. Maxion just brings in the holiday season, man.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're, you're sitting there watching Toledo and Kent State on a Tuesday, wondering what the heck am I doing with myself, you know? And it's just great. It's good stuff. All right, uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Running for Roses for saving our tweets uh, for for November. They're going to come back soon. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to the pod wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. And I will uh, we will uh, talk to you next week, recapping two top ten matchups four of the top ten teams in the country. Four top ten teams. All Alright, have a good night, everyone. Stay frosty.